Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host. Here we are another week back talking about that longest self-imposed period of unemployment most of you will have in your lifetime. It could be 10 years. It could be 20. Heck, it might even be 30 or 40. It is what we call retirement. If you would like to learn more about what you can do to get safely through retirement, go to my website, retirementriskadvisors.com. All right. Now let's get into part two of Social Security. Dave, take it away. Today, I brought in two experts to help me. You've got Mark Kiner and Jim Blair from Premier Social Security Consulting. Let's talk a little bit here about situational Social Security. I know that that's a big term that you guys use and probably coined uh, originally when you look at Social Security and where we're at, that I often talk about 70 being the the main age that most uh, highest earners should claim their benefits. But then I look at someone like myself. I've got two young disabled children that we recently adopted. They'll be getting Social Security benefits forever. Obviously, that changes substantially my claiming strategy versus if it was just me and my wife and what we're doing. Mark, would you mind addressing that a little bit on your side and what we should do? And again, I guess the importance of this planning that people need to take because we are so different. Situational Social Security is a term I believe Jim and I coined, I'm going to say five to seven years ago. I don't know for sure when, but I tell you, it just makes a lot of sense because if Jim meets with 10 married couples, each married couple will have a different set of options available to them. You may have a wife that's older than the husband. Maybe the wife is the main breadwinner. Possible that maybe one of them might have a deceased spouse out there that they might be able to collect off of. Maybe you have to factor in some young kids. Oh, and also that restricted application is still available to a small percentage of folks out there. People born by that magic birth date, or Jim would say magical birth date of 1154, they can claim off their spouse while at the same time their benefits are growing or need delayed retirement credits. So even in that situation, Dave, if we have husband and wife, husband can file that restricted app, the wife has not turned her benefits on. We might suggest that she turn her benefits on effective six months ago to get a nice lump sum check from Social Security. Husband will file that restricted application off her work record, also effective six months ago. So he'll get a nice lump sum check. And then, of course, when he turns age 70, he'll turn his benefits on and get all, all of those DRCs. You may be working with divorce spouses. Let's say I've got three ex-spouses out there, Betty, Amber, and Chloe. Let's assume that a high was the higher earner. They could all draw off me at the same time. Let's assume with a low earner. When Betty turns 62, I claim off Betty. Two years later, Amber turns 62. I can switch the benefits off Amber. And two years later, then Chloe turns 62. I can switch again. No matter who you are, you've got your own set of strategies and options to consider. Public employees are so important. They're subject to either or maybe both the WEP or GPO. But 76 million baby boomers situational social security really means that you're going to have unique options and claiming strategies that are available to you. Jim, I've used software to help calculate some benefits uh, for people at times. And I've seen where it said 27,000 different strategies have been looked at to figure out these benefits. Any idea how many options there really are out there for people to choose if you took every possible scenario that could exist out there? 
Well, what they're looking at to come up with that number is you're eligible at 62, 62 in one month, 62 in two months, three months, four months, and then your spouse is the same thing and a combination of all those. You probably want to narrow that down a little bit. And we start off talking to people, and, and this is what I suggest folks do. Look at your benefit at 62, see what it would be at full retirement age and also at age 70. Now, if there are other points in between, someone's thinking, well, I'm not going to retire 62, but I'll be thinking about 64, you can use that time. But you want to narrow it down to maybe, even when I have nine options for folks, we still usually narrow it down to three or four that they're seriously looking at. So yeah, don't get too bogged down in that 28,000 number because 27,995 of them you're not interested in. So uh, I would suggest though, that look at the ones that you do think would be viable retirement points and take it from there. But I think it really helps to show the importance of experts like yourselves. And again, I do some of this on my own side, uh, thanks to your guys' coaching and the, the education that you provide through your program and going through the process there. But helps people better understand that, look, there are a lot of options. There's a lot of things I could get wrong that if I use an expert who understands this, like you say, you've probably taken out 20 plus thousand of those situations you know, immediately and said, hey, we're going to have a handful of things we need to look at from longevity to your relationships to all of these things, but really gets us where we need to be there. I, I do want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about COLA increases and some of what's going on there. We've been blessed, I guess, from the recipient end. Now, maybe the program itself, not so blessed, but we had a 5.9% increase uh, 2022. We got an 8.7% increase this year. Mark, maybe uh, throw it to you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about COLA and maybe what we should expect in the future. Like you said, Dave, we saw an 8.7% increase for COLA effective with the December benefit, which is paid in January of this year. The year before, is it 5.9%? What are we looking at in the future? Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say about 5% for the benefit to be received in January 2024. I'm going to say about 5% because it's still running over 6% right now, the CPIW. So basically, we look at the Urban Wage Earners CPI index, called that CPIW, to determine the COLA, and it's still running over 6%, and it's coming down now, fortunately. How does uh, the calculation for Social Security interact with regular inflation that we would see from a consumer side? Well, as Mark mentioned, it's based on the consumer price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers, the CPIW. And if you listen to the news, around the middle of each month, they will announce what the CPIW was for last month. They will look at that for the three-month average for the third quarter. So they'll look at the CPIW for July, August, and September and average those out and compare that to the same period last year. And whatever the increase was, then that's what the increase people see in Social Security benefits. And they're looking at things like housing. That's usually the biggest your fuel costs are in there, your food costs, medical costs, and all sorts of things that they look at. So it does really look at what's going on with what people are spending their money on. It may lag a little bit, but you know they are looking at the inflation rate compared from year to year. It's been as low as zero. <laughs> so we've had three years where there was no cost of living adjustment. This 8.7% we just had 
was the highest we'd seen in 40 years. Now, the very highest we'd ever seen was 14.3. We don't want to see that again. That's when you could buy a house and get a low, low mortgage rate of about 18 to 20%. So nobody wants to see that happening. Uh, and we're hopeful that, that it is going down some, but it takes into consideration those items. I see it as a little bit of a mixed blessing for a retiree because uh, you know, I, I claim that Social Security is meant to cover about 40% of living costs. Mark, I'm going to give you a chance in a minute to say if I, I am close to being right. But if that's your only inflation-adjusted uh, source of income, that can be real problematic for a retiree. You're saying, yeah, I'm great. I'm getting more Social Security, but all goods and services cost me more money. And I probably didn't get that increase on my 401k, my IRAs, those type of things I'm getting distribution from. Mark, comments on that. Yeah, I've heard that same percentage covers 40% of living costs. A lower wage earner will get a higher percentage of their benefits, earned income back in social security benefits. You know, it's guaranteed income and you get that COLA adjustment along the way. I tell you, Dave, the third Wednesday of every month, I wake up, roll out of bed. And that's the day my benefits are deposited in my bank account. So I have two sources of guaranteed income, a uh, widower benefit I have coming each month and social security benefit I have coming each month. So I'm really excited that I have at least a couple of types of guaranteed income coming to me because they're guaranteed for inflation also. But social security, it's huge. You're saying 40% of your cost expenses should be covered by social security, but yeah, that's a pretty low percentage, no matter how you look at it. Yeah, you've definitely got to have some other savings to get there. More than 50% of CPAs will run out of money in retirement, and this number is projected to grow because of risks like inflation, increased longevity, and rising healthcare costs. Retirement Risks Advisors has the perfect solution to help CPAs make their money last as long as they do. Learn more by signing up for our flagship webinar, Getting Safely Through Retirement. In this webinar, we share the top 10 financial risks CPAs will face in retirement and what can be done to reduce or eliminate each risk. To get started, visit retirementriskadvisors.com slash safe. Another topic we need to cover uh, as we're going through here that I'd like to talk about is taxation of Social Security. Starts in 1983, as I understand it. And then 1993, uh, Bill Clinton ends up bumping it up from 50%, where Ronald Reagan put it, to 85%. Jim, talk a little bit about provisional income and the impact it's going to have. Yeah, taxes. <laughs> One of the things that, that they teach us at the Social Security Administration is when somebody mentions taxes, you send them to IRS. But <laughs> You know, I do get questions all the time about taxation. Are my benefits subject to tax? And they can be. If your provisional income, which basically is all your income, it's going to show on your, your tax return, it's your adjusted gross income, plus half of your Social Security benefit. And there's some other things added in. A big one is tax-free municipal bonds, that kind of thing. Another one that, that we mentioned is your income from Puerto Rico, but there's all sorts of other income added in. And if your provisional income as a single person is over 25000 or a married couple over 32000 then you start to look to pay income tax on your Social Security benefit. Part of the problem with that. As you mentioned, that law was passed in 1983. They didn't index those for inflation. That's the same number that has been in place since 1983, with the exception of moving the percentage from 50% to 85% in the 90s. But more and more people are looking to pay tax on their Social Security benefit. If your income 
is for a married couple is between 32 and 44,000, then 50% of your social security is subject to tax. You add it in as ordinary income and whatever tax bracket you're in, that's basically how much tax you'll pay on it. If you're over 44,000, now you're up to that 85%. Single people kicks in at 25,000 at 50%, and then at 34,000, they're subject to the 85%. Doesn't mean if you're at $44,001, you're automatically 85% of your social security subject to federal income tax. But the more money you make, it'll get you up to the 85%. And there's, uh, I think it's 12 states now that also tax your social security benefit. Was 13, but West Virginia saw the light and uh, and decided to stop taxing it. But uh, there's 12 other states that also tax it. So it is something people need to take into consideration. Have you seen any proposals out there to change this? I've not seen anything uh, on the books that's saying we're going to change the thresholds at all. In fact, uh, last report I saw that $45 billion is coming into the Social Security program because of this tax. What are you seeing, Jim, from a regulation standpoint? I've seen a couple of proposals. I saw one that raised it up to $100,000 uh, for a married couple. <laughs> Did it go anywhere? No. So that's the problem. You'll see a proposal from time to time uh, to either raise the base or maybe index it for inflation, but that just never seems to go anywhere. Because like you say, it is bringing in money. It does help make the the trust funds more solvent. So if you're receiving social security and paying income tax on it, that should make you happy that you're making the, uh, the, the trust funds more solvent. Yeah, no, that doesn't make anybody happy about that. Uh, nobody's happy about paying taxes. I think I've also seen a legislative proposal to kind of eliminate the taxation of benefits. So, you know, I think at a minimum what they, what Congress should do is at least index the, the dollars needed to to become for the benefits to become taxable, uh, index those for inflation and at least do that. You know, twenty five thousand uh, dollars passed in 1983. It, you know, it's just it's ridiculous that it's not indexed for inflation. It just is. Yeah, and having a big impact on a much lower income segment of the population because of that. And every increase that you get makes it worse. Every COLA increase that happens in these last two years have made a larger percentage of people subject to that tax. And and it's something that doesn't end, correct? Uh, that's not something that once you reach 90 or 85 or 80, that that's going to go away for you. Well, pretty much you pay taxes as long as you're alive and plus an additional six to eight months probably after you pass away, the federal government uh, is still trying to put their hands in your pocket. So uh, in case they're listening, I'm okay with that. But if they're not listening, yeah, that, that's something that does need to be to be changed. Yeah, if someone's telling you that they no longer pay provisional income or have tax on their Social Security, it's kind of like the gambling story. They're going to tell you about all the wins, but not the losses. So they're telling you they're not paying it any longer. But the reality is it's because they have no money left, so they don't have provisional income. So it's a catch-22 when we look at it uh, from that standpoint. But Dave, you always have provisional income, though, because half of your Social Security is is part of provisional income. So you always have have some. Is it going to be high enough to pay some to include some benefits in taxation? Uh, maybe not, but 
everyone that's receiving benefits has provisional income. Great clarification there. I appreciate that. Let's talk a little bit now about what you guys do from the certification program that you offer and some of the counseling that you provide to help people. Mark, can I turn it to you first and then uh, you guys can kind of go through the process? So Dave, you know, we don't sell investments or insurance. I don't do any tax or accounting anymore. We are only involved in the social security space. So we do two things. Uh, consulting. So when uh, folks are looking to or trying to determine what their best strategies are, we can help guide them. We can do a consultation for them. Our consultations include a written report that Jim will prepare, consultation with Jim, of course, follow-up questions and filing for benefits online. And then we educate. We educate advisors across the country, increasing their value to clients. And we offer the national Social Security Advisor Certificate. After a day of training, advisors take a uh, uh, take a test. After passing the test, they'll earn our certificate. We emphasize two things in our class, Dave, situational Social Security, and we also uh, emphasize how to ask those probing questions so folks and clients of advisors get more money out of the system. And just finally, we offer our class three ways, live in-person, live webinar and taped on-demand videos. And the tuition for our class includes really good support. So advisors can call me with questions, email me with questions. They can attend our monthly webinars and our social security open forums. Now I'll turn it over to Jim for his comments. I'll say this, uh, the open forum is something fairly new and it seems to be very popular. And what that does is it allows our advisors to call in and ask any question that's on their mind. A lot of advisors just call in to listen to see what other people, what their questions are and what the answers are. But we get a big variety of questions on that. Uh, we do try to make sure that we have our monthly updates so that people uh, are aware of either any changes that are being made or just the go. we'll go over the questions we get every day that uh, people seem to to uh, have a lot of questions about. And so it will cover that with folks. You know, the one thing that we do is meet with, with couples or single individuals and let them know what all their options are, when they should apply. And we also help them apply. If they have created the online account, I'll walk them through the application process. And that way it's filed the way they want to make sure it's filed. It's amazing how much can be learned through questions. I know for myself, as I first got it started in some of the stuff that I do currently, I'm getting three to 5,000 questions a year. That even for myself, I was learning a lot off of that process. But obviously, we've had a lot of events where we've done just like you have, where we've answered questions. And the, the, those who are attending love the fact that they can learn from what other people ask. That many times it's questions they'd never thought about, they'd never even considered as they look at that. Guys, how can people get access to this training? Again, I, I went through it myself, folks. It, it is, as I understand, or at least it was CPE certified for CPAs out there, which, and primarily they're focusing on CPAs as a advisors to help their clients through this process. But uh, Mark, how can they get access? You can uh, give me a buzz. My phone number is 513-218-8505. Send me an email at mkiner, K-I-N-E-R, at mypremierplan.com. Also, you can visit our website, www.premiernss.com 
nancysamsamapple.com. That's Nancy Sam Sam Apple. Mark, Jim, thank you so much for being with me today. This has been absolutely great to go through some of the things that people need to better understand regarding this risk. Again, the two issues with Social Security, you got to figure out when to claim and you got to figure out the impact of tax. And you can work through advisors that can help you solve those issues. We do many things to help you and work with Mark and Jim exclusively to try to help solve these problems as well because of their experience and their expertise through this process. Dave, I was going to say thank you too. Thanks for highlighting Social Security in your in your podcast. It's so important for advisors and CPAs to understand Social Security so they can better advise their clients and help their clients. So thank you for for educating your listeners. You're welcome. It's always great to be with the two of you. Uh, Listeners, remember Premier NSSA. If you'd like to learn more, go to the website to learn more about their class, access to the tools and the, the consulting that they have to offer, or retirement risk advisors. If you'd like to learn how you can get safely through retirement, how you can deal with all of the risks, not just Social Security, go to my website. We'll be able to help you there. My name's Dave Hall. I'm your host. Look forward to seeing you again next week, where we'll cover another risk that's going to be facing you in your retirement. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. We come out with a new episode every Friday morning, and you don't want to miss it. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talin and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com.